0: Welcome to Average Joe Meets the UK's Everyday Entrepreneurs, where we talk to all kinds of business owners across the country about how they got started and what it's really like to run their business so that we can learn and be inspired to start something of our own. Up next is Alan Irwin, who at 42 already has 24 years of experience working as a chef in high-end hotels and Michelin star restaurants. Based in the Sevenoaks area of Kent, He took the plunge to go full-time with day events in lockdown, another example of where the pandemic really acted as a catalyst in entrepreneurial ventures. There's two parts to his business. One is high-end catering for big events like weddings and birthdays, but the other side is where it all began. The clue's in the name, Dinner at Yours. This is a private dining side where you can book Alan and his team to come to you and cook a delicious meal. It's essentially bringing a Michelin-star restaurant into your home. Besides preparing and cooking the food, he'll bring all the crockery and the cutlery and everything else that's needed to make it a really special experience. When we were talking, it did occur to me that the benefits of a catering business like Alan's over having your own restaurant or cafe premises is there's a lot less upfront cost and risk. You get the bookings first, then you spend the money to service it. The flip side is you have to work on building up your reputation so you can keep getting those bookings. Of course, Alan has his Michelin star credentials, but there's no reason why other budding foodies couldn't give this idea a go as a side hustle. His passionate approach is clear, as he reflects on life as a chef and how it's changed over the years, making the leap to going full-time with day events and learning to live with the uncertainty of bookings month by month, and covering the surprising and heartwarming rewards of working with his clients that make it all worth it. And of course, the best dishes on his menu. Bon appétit. Alan, thank you very much for coming today. You're very welcome. I had expected, as I understand you, you started your career in Bromley, to hear a little bit more of a South London accent, yeah. but you are far too far from, from here, but tell me a little bit about life before day events and, and how you ended up in this part of the world.
1: Yeah, so born in Glasgow was not very academic at school, to say the least. So, <laughs> I always wanted to be a chef. I don't know why, don't yeah. have the romantic story that they like to tell you on TV now that their nan or their mum was this amazing cook. And that's why they're into food. I just always loved food. So I left school at 14 to go to college. Went to college for a couple of years till I was 16. Got a job in a decent place in outside Glasgow, and then at seventeen I was wanted to do more, and then I got a cookbook from Marco Pierre White called White Heat, which changed everything for me in food, and then I wanted to come and work in Michelin styled restaurants, and then a restaurant close to here in Chapter One was looking for staff, so. I don't have any money to come here, from Glasgow. From Glasgow, I had no money, so I phoned the chef for the interview, and told him I did not have any money at this point. And he and I said, "Will you pay for my ticket?" And I'll come and work for a week, and you can pay me to go back if I'm not good. And that was twenty-four years ago. <laughs> I've not it
0: <been> back. <laughs> and then you stayed and stuck down in, the and got stuck South, in London Lampion, London, South
1: London and Kent, working in South London and Kent, Mitchell's <laughs> starred restaurants, so. And how is it, what is it like being a chef, working for other people? It's tough. It's changed a lot now, where it used to be very like the military. It used to be brutal. The kitchens of today have changed so much, where there's not as much shouting and abuse as there was in the early 90s, 2000s. It's become a bit more, it's a lot more professional now. Not saying it wasn't professional then, but there's the way people are treated now is completely different. There's a massive work life balance shift in the industry now. People work four days, three days off, not doing hundred plus hours a week. So it's a lot better for people coming in and into the industry. It wasn't always like that. I've got the scars to prove that. That <laughs> we've done hundred plus hours a week every single week. Wow. for years, getting paid nothing. I think I was on eight and a half thousand pounds when I started. Yeah, But it's a bit like university. Chefs don't go to university. Starting as a commie and the chef to party is your university, so the pay's horrible. But I have a great life now from my training and what we're doing now with day
0: events. So, what were the? What was your mindset and the situation leading up to day events? I understand you started it on the side of your day job. I mean, if the day job was a hundred hours a week, how did you fit in the side job? So,
1: I was running a hotel in Tombridge Wells, and the hotel was going through a huge transformation. The previous management slash owners was elderly. The son had then taken over from the dad and was transforming the hotel to make it a lot more modern, a lot more inviting. And the food and everything was a major part of that. So I took over as head chef to help do that with the owner. And we, I was quite lucky because I have quite a lot of staff that follow me for some reason. So I managed to take ten chefs with me to this a huge operation. Job. Yeah. Yeah. From it was a seventy bedroom hotel with event space with up to three, four hundred people. And that was three, four different rooms. So you could be doing a thousand people a night. And so I was quite fortunate that I managed to take all these staff with me. So we could we hit the ground running. And the hotel didn't have a restaurant. The brasserie and the restaurant was like stepping back into the 60s, it needed major investment in it, and we knew that was coming. So we concentrated on the brasserie, everything else in the hotel, and then because I had so many good staff with me, I could kind of step back and let them do it because that was how they were learning. I could give them enough rope to and then just step in to help them when needed it. So as much as this was turning over a couple of million pounds a year, I was stood back bold right. because I had the staff that were, yeah. were waiting for this restaurant. Yeah, And then, so I started doing dinner parties for some people and then it kind of just kept going, kept going.
0: And how did you start, how did you get these customers uh, for your dinner parties?
1: So I, previous to the hotel, I worked in a restaurant in Seven Oaks that had done garden parties, barbecues and stuff for people and we always done one at Christmas for a client in Bromley, Chiselhurst. We always done a party for ten people in like the, the first Saturday of December and then on Christmas Eve they had a canopy and champagne reception for like 90 people in the kitchen. So when I went and put cards through the door Okay, That's, just that it, was your marketing? That was my marketing. And was that day and events? You no, marketing? I didn't even name it this time. Oh, it was just your name? It was just my name. <laughs> didn't have a name, didn't have anything. Yeah. Just went and put a card through the, a couple of people's doors that I'd done from this party. Right. Not expecting to hear anything back. And they were like, oh, Alan, amazing. We, we 100% want to do it. And then I'd done the first Christmas for them while still at the hotel, while running the hotel. And was that just you going to cook in their house? That was me going to cook in the house for 90 people for a champagne and canopy reception. Then no, Just you? Just me and six people from the front. Right, which you were... Which I had organised everything for it. And then that led to another one, led to another one. Then kind of like... Got speaking to a few people. And just that's how it's that's how it worked. They spoke to somebody else, and that's still my ethos today. We don't do social media. We've got a social media page. I don't know what's on it. Yeah. I'm not allowed to touch it. <laughs> it's everything's to do with the food. Yeah, everything has got to do with the food. There's nothing else. There's not the services. is super super important as well, but it's got to do with how good the food is, because the sort of clients we're cooking for. Not exclusively, but a lot of the clients we cook for money isn't an object to them. And speaking to them about food beforehand, in the best restaurants in the world constantly. So if the food doesn't match that, you're not going to get repeat business. It's a big change for a chef as well. Whereas before, I'm stuck in the kitchen, and learning to speak to people. Now I'm serving dishes to clients, explaining dishes to them, holding conversations with them. Whereas before we would put it on the hot plate, the waitress or waiter would take it. That was our involvement. We didn't have anything else to do with it. But now we're, we're speaking directly to the clients, taking the bookings. And I think that's where the clients get so interested because of passion. They can see the passion that we've got for what we do. They can see it in the plates of food that they're eating as well. And that's where it all comes from. So going back to, uh, and just mixing
0: this in with the pandemic and timelines, you you were working at this hotel in Tunbridge
1: Wells. So I was running the hotel in Tunbridge Wells. Bookings were getting good for this. We still don't have a name at this point. And bookings were good, but we were, when the pandemic was starting, we were three months into the design process of the restaurant that I'd waited four years for. So that was coming along, that was doing it. But the private dinner parties and events were getting busier, which is great. That was, but people were saying, why don't you just go for that full time? I was on a lot of money. I have a wife and two kids, I was earning a really good salary. I had 16 chefs. I had lots of kitchen porters. The owner was happy because the hotel was going well. So I could kind of do what I wanted within reason. Yep. And so I kind of had the best of both worlds. And then the pandemic came. So I wanted to stay because the restaurant. that I wanted that restaurant badly. So on the 23rd of March, before we got locked down we had a meeting on the 22nd with the restaurant designers and we had a 3D walkthrough of the restaurant design and on the 23rd we got shut down (laughs) so (laughs) for the first couple of weeks of lockdown we'd done what every day done, we just sat about and painted garden fences (laughs) there was nothing else to tell us, I ate lots of good food and then we were sitting there and furlough was good for people that were on a minimum salary. If you're on 25 grand, furlough was great. If you're on anything above that, furlough was bad because you don't have the cash. We didn't have savings, we were a young family, we just lived. And we can remember sitting at the back door of my house to saying to my wife, "This like, we can't survive on furlough. She was on furlough, I was on furlough. It's like, we need to do something. And then the dinner parties started taking off. People were like, Oh, we can do me a delivery. So, a couple of regular clients were like, Oh, can you cook me for a week? Because a lot of these clients don't cook that much. Their yeah. life is, they go out to eat so much, they don't cook They're Suddenly in the stuck house. at home. They're say? suddenly stuck at home, well, home well, thinking, my, What, my, what yeah. am I supposed to do? I make sourdough for the stuff at work. But we need to eat. So, a couple of clients. Started from that, a couple of clients saying, can you do me meals for a week? So, okay, done that from home. And then other things just started coming in. People, people have big houses and you were allowed a tradesman in your house during lockdown. People can say, chef's a trade, isn't it? So, we kind of bent the rules a little bit and kept doing it. And it just... Kept growing and people were asking. Doing the tables, of two I can remember doing a table of two in South London, Some I can't remember exactly where I was, it was Tooting. So I'd done a table of two in Tooting. The guy actually booked it at 8 o'clock at night the day before and it's like, okay, can I do this? I was like, okay, we've done it. And from that table of two that I'd done the next night, I probably picked up 70, 80 bookings. Really? just word of mouth just word of mouth them telling all the school friends the school friends telling all them and it just keeps going and it's still going like that today and then look down so the money was a big part of it I was on a good salary I had a good standard of life I was thinking can I afford to jack that good sal- salary and good standard of life and can I make as much to continue that standard of life because that's important to us isn't it Got to yeah. standard life, and so we'd done it for the first couple of months of lockdown where we didn't touch the furlough money just to see how we yes. got on with it.
0: And that when you say we, is that you and your wife? Me and my wife, yeah, because yeah. she was
1: on furlough as well, yeah. So, and we were working from my kitchen at home, yeah, and so. she was teaching the kids, which was hell, <laughs> it was hell. And we, I think, we were back to work, and it was the July, wasn't it? And I can remember driving back from some event in, somewhere like Cambridgeshire, right, because it was a long drive back and I can remember driving back and just seeing how much I wanted this to work because this is where everything, every ounce of my body, every bit of passion I had was only interested in turning this into something successful. Why do you think that had shifted
0: from wanting that restaurant so much to
1: this business? Because I could see it was going to be viable, but it was still a massive leap. I could see it was viable. People were, friends were speaking to, saying that, yeah, and even my boss at the hotel, because I still got on very, very well with him, right? He's now a friend. And they were saying, Alan, be careful because this is just a fad that's going to disappeared after the lockdown and I've like been doing it for two three years now at this point. I was like, I don't think it is. I really don't think it is. And driving home from this event with tears in my eyes because I was just so passionate thinking that I need to make this work. I really need to make this work. So I went back to the hotel when we opened back up and there's a lot of politics when you're running a big operation and I couldn't be arsed with it anymore but I went back anyway and like I spoke to my boss about it and he says let's just see how it goes just now and keep doing what you're doing as in doing the hotel and doing the things and it's like okay and then so I kept doing both right which is fine that went on until the next lockdown which I think was like the November wasn't it I think it was like September, October were opened or something and then November we got shut down again that's right and that was the turning point of me going to do it full time because I was like, okay, great, because I'm getting follow again, and I'm getting busier with this, so I kept doing it, and then it got to the December, and that the December, I was getting loads and loads of bookings, Boris was promising every day we got you open back up for Christmas, when everybody was making plans. I knew, he, for some reason, that he was talking shit, basically. And, but it left me in a massive predicament, because people were booking events and stuff. So was I going to turn these events away and not do anything, or was I going to go back to work? And then when he shuts it down, I've got nothing. Yeah. So I took the events and then went and spoke to my boss and says, look, I'm, yeah. I'm going to do it full time. Yeah. And so that was the trigger. That was the trigger. And then it, and and he did, did shut down, did, down did, yeah. anyway, didn't he? Yeah. So it worked quite well, <laughs> to be honest with you. And then that's why we came up with the name, The Dinner at Yours. Ah, that's what it means. Yes. Right. Yes. Day is short for dinner, it goes. And then we just kept going. We built the website. My mate built the website. And then I got somebody else later to, in, to make it better. We built the website. We put a Facebook page out. We put Instagram out. But we don't do anything on that. We but it was almost just to give you a legitimate yeah, it just to give us a legitimate. Identity. A lot yeah. of it's just to give it legitimate. Like, we're fat registered now, we have to get registered with Google. It's also people trust, because these dinner parties are not cheap. I'm not going to sit here and say that they're cheap. They're not aimed at everyone, but they can be for everyone, special occasions, anything. And it just kind of keeps going. It just keeps going. There's There's so many... Examples people say to me, why do I do still do tables of two or do like smaller parties at the weekend? I've done numerous parties of tables of two that have turned into weddings for one hundred and eighty, birthday parties for one hundred and sixty. You just never know. It's quite unique, really.
0: Yes, Mm. to be able to do that, and is it always you fronting up, or or do you now have staff so that you could actually send to do
1: these cooking? So for the, we have two, so we done day for a year, but as we were doing the, so the, the dinner parties, which is the main part of the business, that's what, that was the main part of the business, was try to take a really high-end food into the comfort of people's homes. So trying to do the same as top London restaurants or top... Restaurants around the country we try to bring that to your house. That's this and that goes from everything that we do So from the cutlery and the crockery that we've put a massive massive amount of money invested into that So when you're sitting in your house, you've got this amazing cutlery amazing crockery that you see in these high-end places That's what we try to do and then from that people started asking Can you do a barbecue? Can you do a hog roast? Or can you do a wedding or 30th birthday party celebrations? And it was just kind of natural because we didn't have that side of the website then. We didn't have that side of the company, even though we still doing it. It just got easier for me to say, well, let's just do an events side. And if people come we're very transparent, that was the main thing I said to the guy that was doing the website who a lot of people question me, i put the prices on there, the prices are there, so you can build your own package, you can look and see I've got a £100 per person for my 30th birthday party for 60 people, you can build the price, so you know the, the menu's £70, you can add canopies, you can add stuff, you can take stuff away. So that was quite important. So that's how the event side came about. But I will never send empty to do a dinner party. A party you. is always always me. But because my name's all over the website and people want me there. But for the event side of it, it doesn't say it's me. I'll organise it. I'll run it all. I'll take the bookings. But then I can send staff to do it. Yeah. <laughs> I've got lots of staff on ad hoc basis, it's my goal this year is we have got somebody is phoning 360 places in Kent just now to get us on the suppliers list for events. And then when I can get a couple of more guaranteed events, then I'll employ a couple of people. So how
0: How have you found sort of the shift from chef, quite a senior chef, but how have you found the shift from chef to sort of running your own business? What have been the hard bits to get your head
1: around? The finances is massive. The worrying of the finances is huge, in my opinion, because you get a lot of money coming in, whereas if you're an employee, you get money in your bank account, is yours, but as the employer, I'm getting money in my bank account and it's like, I'm going to pay X, Y and Z. And I've got to ensure that it's not just this month it's taken care of. But when you're working, you don't worry about stuff like that. No. You, you don't worry about stuff like that. And it's someone else's problem. Somebody else's problem. And there's things that I want to do, but cost costs so much money to do it. And we we're not rich. We everything we have we've grafted for. Everything we have we've earned. We don't want to get into debt by borrowing tens of thousands of pounds. So we just have to work harder to get that money to invest it and then hopefully it'll pay off in the long run.
0: And you and, mentioned now you have some premises in Seven Oaks. Maybe you could talk about the story of moving from
1: your home kitchen to <laughs> how you got that premises. Y- yeah. So we were in, I was doing this from home, which had a lot of great challenges. I had a kitchen, my home's not big, I had a standard sized kitchen, I had a shed at the back of it that I kept plates and vacuum pack machines and had a couple of fridges in there. And I had two kids and a wife trying to live a life in their house while I'm trying to run a company from my kitchen. And then, my butcher that I've used for the past ten, twelve years. I went down to pick up my deliveries a couple of times from him, and as we're just looking about his premises, for I can't remember why, we went to the, oh, we went to the back fridge, and he had the room. I said, like, "What does this get used for?" I'm like, not much. <laughs> they had this like we roll pastry. That's about it. And it was kind of tongue in cheek. I was like, oh, this would be perfect for me. And he's like, and I never thought anything else of it. Then he texted me and said, oh, do you want to take this room? I was like, okay, great, do I? I don't know, do I? Because that's a big expense. It's like a couple of thousand pounds for a, a, a an old battled cooker, an extraction. And so that was. It was really difficult to begin with because we had to put a lot of money in it, which we didn't have to set it up. But we'd done it. But now, I don't know how we managed to do what we do in home. Really, it, it f- sends shivers down my spine thinking about that. We couldn't do what we do now without that kitchen. It's, it's a, it's the best thing that's happened just now. It's that kitchen. That space is incredible for us because it means we can leave work, at work. And it allows me to bring staff in as well, because I have two or three boys, two or three chefs help me during the week, depending on level of business. Are they sort of freelance chefs? all? (laughs) They are chefs that are employed full time in other local restaurants. But again, the pandemic and Brexit has really helped me. It wasn't for everybody, but it's really helped me because a lot of these restaurants before, We're open seven days a week. Then the pandemic comes at the same time as Brexit. So a lot of hospitality relied heavily on Europeans to run the businesses. Brexit comes, a lot of these guys and girls went home. We opened back up. These guys and girls like, I'm not coming anymore. So most restaurants now are closed two days a week or even if we go back to what I said earlier with a big shift to the work-life balance and hospitality. They're doing four days on, three days off. A lot of my friends that work and run restaurants have been brought up the hard way like me. They don't know what to do with three days off. They don't, so it's benefited me because I get them to work for me on one of the days off and they still get two days off. Yeah. So, it's, that's really yeah. Interesting. Interesting. so that's really benefiting me massively. So that's why we managed to do what we do. And um, in the role of your
0: wife, is she now with you full time on the business or is she still going back to her old job? My
1: wife is a teaching assistant, so she still does that. And then she does all my admin after that. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> and she works with us as well. She works with us. I have a group of about 6 core waitresses that will help for dinner parties. And then when we do big events, we have a lot of people, but Claire will manage the events. She will come to the meetings with me when we... I will go to the initial meeting to get the bookings. This is for events. I will go and do the initial meeting... But when they've confirmed and paid the deposit then when we take it when we're taking it a bit more seriously and writing everything down claire will come and we will document everything so we start off with two pages for a wedding and it will go up to like 16 17 pages and everything's timed exactly like yeah. from the time the hair and makeup's arrive in the morning to the time the last carriage is away, to the time the DJ and band have to be off-site. So we do all of that.
0: It sounds like between the two of you, you are working incredibly hard.
1: We don't stop. <laughs> no. I wish we stopped. We, it, it's so difficult to stop. It's, And then maybe that's because of the way the world is now. Everybody wants instant answers. And if you don't give them instant answers, they've got to go somewhere else. And... Yes. I take quite pride in that, that knowing that I can respond to people instantly. I don't like hanging about. I'd rather just tell people straight away, and and I think customers like that. I think customers appreciate that, especially when the people are spending a lot of money. They what you feel they're being looked after. They want to feel important, so we make them feel important, and do it the best we can. But it's we I I can't switch off. I don't know. How to switch off? Like last year on holiday, on the first day, I was I took a booking for sixty. The day after I got back, <laughs> that was just the way I am. So, in
0: terms of running day events, has it been worth it? Yes.
1: Def hundred percent.
0: And it's... is there a moment or a story you can explain that sort of makes you think, yes, that's why it's all all been worth it or is
1: it just the general feeling of freedom and it's a general feeling of freedom is great the question of is it worth it yeah it's incredible because you you get into people's homes and you're part of some incredible situations some you which i've never seen before we done a dinner party and it was lunch in december and this client had booked it and then cancelled it because the guy who house the party was in was unfortunately dying of cancer and they didn't think he was going to make it. And then he takes me a couple of weeks before the date and says, look, Alan, he's got better. Would you still be able to do it? Of course we would, but we need to do a lunch instead of the dinner. we need to leave, but I need to leave by a set point to get to another event that evening. And they were cool, they were very flexible. But we go to cook this dinner party, it was a group of 14 guys from Oxford. All went to university together, so they'd known each other for like 40, 50 years, all really close, done a lot of things. This was this guy's last Christmas and you've got 14 blokes round the table in tears while speaking to him, and you're just part of that something that's so special and and it affects you as well. You stood there in your kitchen in tears doing it. So, so it's so different, isn't it's it? You're so, going into people's so homes different. rather than the restaurant. You're going into people's lives. Yeah, you're getting yeah. involved in people's lives, and from so many different occasions, so many things. People, I remember quite a few meals. I go out a lot. I remember a lot of these meals, but you're often something so personal. You're involved in it. Like I've worked in restaurants where people have been proposed to, etc., and that. But you're behind the scenes. When I've done proposals, when people have been proposing, when I've been cooking for them, you're part of that. They're going to remember that for the rest of their life. Ah, so yeah, it's really different. It's it's such a personal thing. It's not just... I say it's all about the food because I'm just food-driven. But if I sit back and look at it, it's not just... It's the whole experience. We're not just offering a meal. We're offering a whole experience people are taken back by it quite a bit. There's been so many instances of people doing the 70th or 80th birthday for the parents and presenting them with a gift that has got so much sentimental value that the the kids that are presenting it are breaking down in tears and the parents are in tears and it, it gets you just in the kitchen watching yeah. it and it's yeah. just like, wow, I'm part of something. I, I don't know these people, but I'm part of this part of their memory now
0: that's so interesting i I didn't even think about that human <coughs> aspect of, of a catering company yeah. I mean was it was you know just to just to put a category on it yeah that yeah. you are you are the, with those people where they experience life. I remember now my my other question, which is it was more an observation of your business model um and you know this is this podcast is to learn about various businesses that people could do. And, obviously, you need to train to be a Michelin star chef. Or, I imagine it would be quite difficult for someone to set this up without that training and
1: food. But
0: could someone do that, do you think?
1: Not saying you need to be a classically trained Michelin star trained chef to be able to do this business, because if you've got a really good... Because some of the best chefs in the world, the have... Kirsten Blumenthal was self-trained. Was self-taught, he's got three-star Michelin. I can't tell him what to do. You could do it. Anybody can do what they want, really, can't they? They could do it. There's a reason they could do it. If they've got a passion for something, there's no reason why you can't do it. There's no reason, if you've got a passion for food, why you cannot do it. You can try it on your friends to start with. So actually, you know, you you, you might
0: cook this amazing dish and start on, on the side doing dinner parties for friends might not be quite as fancy as day events but it uh, and the other side of the business model is as you were talking about before we started the actual interview restaurants and coffee shops and things the premises the cost the upfront cost is so expensive whereas with your business you get the bookings and then you staff up and you buy the supplies for the booking yes it's, it's a The difficult part of your business is it's up and down and you don't know what bookings are coming along and you have to constantly get your name out there. But as long as you provide a good quality product, which you do... It's
1: having faith in it. It's having faith in it. And I am terrible at that. I'm not going to lie. For instance, I think customers should be doing it every week. (laughs) They should be booking with you every week. (laughs) But in reality, that doesn't work. And I... Well, every so often if I've not heard... I can remember a customer in Canary Wharf last year and I cooked for them quite a few times, done quite a few things with them, but I hadn't heard from them in like six months. And there's me getting paranoid thinking I'm not good enough. I need to... Well, why are they not using me anymore? Well, people have lives. Yeah, people yeah. don't need to use me all the time. And just send them a text. <laughs> to say, how are you? So you roll by with... The idea that they're going to see, to put me back in front of them.
0: <laughs> but that's where your marketing might come yeah, in, right, that's isn't it? Where the marketing yeah, might it? Yeah, just to keep them, keep, 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 keep them um, remembering you without being right in their face. Yeah, yeah,
1: just be subtle. And it seems to work. I've done one form again. Oh, good. <laughs> I've done quite a few for them again. But it's just being approachable is a massive thing for all these people. I think you need to be really approachable to them, and we're quite lucky. Most, mostly all of our customers have been great. Most of all of our customers are great. They've all got a massive interest in food, but you mm-hmm. don't need to have a massive interest in food and restaurants to have a dinner party. People just like entertaining, and that's where we come in. We take all the stress out of it. Yeah. People are amazed that we can what we can do in a home kitchen.
0: Because you're, you're often, well I guess you're m- often cooking in their kitchen from scratch Yeah, preparing in your kitchen. I prepare it
1: all in my kitchen in Seven Oaks. Then we prepare it to an extent, just as you would do in a restaurant. And then we take it to the client's house. We set up, we provide everything. All they need to do is be hungry. We will do everything. The washing up, everything. And then we finish all the food and plate it and serve it in the client's home. So you've got to be quite adaptable because in the early days it was quite paranoid be going to different kitchens, different cookers, different environments. But now, I think we've faced so many environments like from cooking in log cabins in the middle of nowhere to cooking in glorious country states. It doesn't make any difference now. We've fine-tuned it so much along the way and as much money as we could afford to invest to make it easier for us along the way. Just refining what we offer because we've got it to a stage now, we've done a dinner party a couple of years ago and we turned up, it was for 18 people. The house is massive, the house is great. But I don't think they cook in this house because they had like a little four burner or stove, and, and th- like how do we get food out for eighteen people and four gas rings and one oven? it was it was really tough. I didn't feel it went well. The customers loved it, but that's the main thing as long as I as long as a customer loves it. But we went home from that dinner's party and every single penny we had made from it, we invested straight away to try and make it easier for the next time we go to these situations. And I think we've done that. I do think we've done that. So that's why we went through all that pain before, but now we've got it to a stage that it doesn't matter. If we turn up, you've got two gas rings. We've got that all sorted before we come. Because... We don't have a set premises, we have the set prep kitchen, but every house I go to is different. I went to so many houses every single week, I have one on Saturday for 45 people, I've never been to this house before, but that doesn't face me now, because I know we've got the product to a set level that what we turn up to doesn't matter, we can adapt and There'll be no difference in the quality of what we serve.
0: So now, for the next five, ten years, do you think you just want to do more of the same? Do you want to keep that high pace level of work for yourself? Do you think
1: you can do it? <laughs> I'll keep this... I think I'll keep the high pace level of work because I don't know how not to... That is me. I don't know how to sit still. So that will always be me. For the next four or five years, we just want to keep doing what we're doing. We don't have set targets to say we're going to take X amount of money. We're going to do that. We just keep doing what we do, and it will hopefully just keep growing naturally. I think it's especially this day and age, right? And this is probably called every day's Instagram famous, and I'm not interested in it. I can't hustle with it to be honest with you. I see a lot of these places so much get hammered on Instagram and a lot of this stuff is fake on Instagram. It is. It, it is. If there was that much good food in the UK, it would be the culinary capital of the world and we're not. <laughs> it's, it, we're not. And we just keep doing what we do and just keep cooking food. That the customers want to eat and keep rebooking us without being on social media, all over the place, I'm just happy cooking what we do. The event side of it, we are trying to grow it a little bit, but again, we're quite fortunate that it's not the be all and end all of our business. The dinner parties is a major part of our business and that's what sells the events. The events we would like to get a few more, so we can get a few more full time staff to make it a little bit easier on Claire and me. But I wouldn't stop. I can remember speaking to a lot, a lot of clients I go to. I get quite close to and friendly with, and I can remember speaking to one client that, from the outside, they have the best of everything. It's great, and telling them my plans for doing the events and getting bigger and stuff, and he. This bit of advice always stuck with me, he's like, Alan, you need to be clear, clever, he says, last year, this is his company, he'd done something with steel, he said, last year we turned over 1.2 million, he says, it was me and two guys, he says, we made a fortune, he said, it was brilliant, he says, so the next, this year, he says, I turned over six and a half, right, and he said, I have 15 people, and then the amount of stress, and the amount of headaches, and when I sat down I made less money and that's kind of stuck with me that's really stuck with me I'm quite conscious that we don't want to go and do and we're not a wedding yeah. factory what what's your what's your hit um what
0: do all the clients really like are there any couple of dishes that we can end the podcast on that we can salivate to
1: <laughs> yes the k- lamb koftas for a canopy the yogurt and mint dip can't seem to get rid of that <laughs> people love that Sounds nice. I've got truffle and parmesan gougers as a canopy as well, which again, can't get rid of it. People (laughs) love it. Everything on my menu changes constantly seasonal, we change it all the time. I've got to change it this afternoon, a couple of things, but the scallop dish. Oh, yeah, my favourite. Scallop (laughs) dish is (laughs) the only dish that's not changed since
0: I started. Alan, thank you very much for sharing your story. You're very welcome. (laughs) we <laughs>